Did you ask anything about the Disneyland Hotel? <laughs> um, I ask about that all the time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> as do we. <laughs> back everybody to this week's bonus episode of the dcl duo podcast brought to you by my path unwinding travel and sam welcome to another bonus show you're continuing your streak <laughs> thanks brian you make it sound like i do nothing on this podcast what the heck <laughs> you are the on-air talent we need to keep you happy so uh you know you can put it in my performance review later we also have uh with us a very special guest uh brooke let me welcome brooke to our show welcome thank you hi so excited to be here so we were excited to have brooke on today because she took a DVC member sailing in the Alaska season this past year. And we wanted to hear all about that sailing because it sounded like an amazing trip. But before we dive into that, Brooke, I wanted to give you a chance to talk about sort of your Disney creds and uh, in particular, your experience with Disney Cruise Line. We love to orient our listeners to that. So yeah, what's your background with Disney Cruise Line in terms of sailings, other cruise lines, uh, Disney itself? We are a you know Disney fan family through and through. Um, I do report on Disney theme parks and resorts and cruise line, but um, we do lots and lots of Disney trips as a family, both to the parks and on Disney Cruise Line. I have done other cruise lines in the past. I've sailed on Norwegian and Royal Caribbean. Once we did our first Disney cruise, we never looked back. So I have been on, I believe, seven Disney cruises, and I've been on all of the ships except the Magic. And uh, I have done... I've done The Wish twice now. Um, I've done The Fantasy twice, The Wonder twice, and The Dream once. I do some of my reporting travel alone, but all of my cruises we've gone as a family with my husband and my my two sons who are six and nine. So we started, I think, when my youngest was two. So we've kind of done, you know, everything from the It's a Small World age group nursery thing all the way through to, you know, the kids just hitting the kids clubs hard and my husband and I getting to do whatever we want. So um, we've kind of done it. We've kind of been through a few different phases of life so far on the cruise line. Well, for the cruise that you took, it was a DVC member cruise. Are you a DVC member or just friends with a member? <laughs> yes, um, we are DVC members. It's DVC is kind of the the only way that we manage to go to Walt Disney World and Disneyland as much as we do. It's just been it's amazing value to uh, you know use our points to be able to stay at deluxe resorts. So yes, this was a DVC member cruise. I think you can only you know I think one of the a member has to be in the room. Um, I don't think someone can book it for you. You have to travel with them. And I had always heard about them. And um, I have to tell you, it was it was absolutely unbelievable and so different from a normal cruise in so many wonderful ways. I expected it to kind of be more intense. <laughs> I thought it was going to be just so many hardcore Disney fans that it was, and there were so many extra things to do that I was worried about feeling kind of stressed, like, you know, and having FOMO that I was constant, that there were so many things going on, which I already feel on Disney Cruise Line because the <laughs> itineraries are, you know, just the the navigator is always so exciting. And there's so many things that I want to do and, you know, that I heart along the way. So that was kind of true. There were more things than we could possibly do, but... This cruise was, it was like a mini D23 Expo. There are so many special guests, so many special presentations, so many special gifts that you get um, every night in your room. So we can um, we can kind of talk about all of that. I have done the Alaska itinerary before. So a couple different ports, but basically the same out of Vancouver and back. And it was absolutely breathtaking and kind of it felt like 
much more of a learning experience and opportunity and way to see a part of the world and do port adventures that my kids don't normally get to do because we really do spend a lot of time in the theme park. So um, I really also liked that aspect of it being a really great vehicle for, you know, seeing this really special part of the world. I wonder what you think about sort of the choice of an Alaska cruise, though, as a DVC member cruise, right? Because there's so many special events on board during a DVC member cruise. But when you're in Alaska, there's so much to see and so much to do. And it's sort of that balance, right? I'm not, I don't know. I feel like in some ways, would it be better to just do like a Caribbean or Bahamas tour where you don't feel like you have to get off the ship because you've been to NASA and cast away a million times, right? But Alaska, you can't skip the ports. They're like the, that's the whole point of the cruise, right? So I wonder how you feel about that. Great question. Definitely the biggest thing. Um, and actually, I, I should have done a little more research on that. I am not sure how often they do or have done member cruises on shorter itineraries. But first and foremost, I can't imagine doing it in less than a seven night. So that was super helpful, first of all, because there is a lot of day, a lot of at sea time. The other thing about Alaska is it's very cold. So you're not, you know, spending time trying to, you know, be in the pools and the water slides and all that kind of stuff. The hot tub was popular, but uh, that's about you know, that was kind of it there. Unless you're a polar plunger, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that it, you do make a really good point. Absolutely everyone gets off the ship in Alaska because you must. I don't think that they go very heavy on the programming during port days, but you're absolutely right. If it was a Caribbean cruise and we were stopping in Nassau, I mean, we were just on the wish and, you know, didn't get off the ship in Nassau because there's so much to do on the ship. There was just something really special about Alaska, though. Everything from the special artwork and branding and things that they did with this cruise to the gifts they gave us that were so unique to that cruise. So every night on member cruises, when you come back to your room after dinner, um, or, you know, when they turn down your room at night, they leave you just so many things. So, you know, one night we would get like a big cozy blanket with Alaska on the back or like a super cool Alaska hat. I should have just had all of my stuff here to show you guys because there were so many cool things. Or we got little, we got two Disney Nuimos and Ashley Eckstein and Brett Iwin were on the cruise and they designed these adorable little Alaska outfit for these new emos. And so I don't know, something about a unique itinerary on an already really unique and special sailing was kind of extra cool. Yeah, I love that they were able that they're able to mash up DVC member merch with Alaska merch because there's not I mean, there's not a lot of Alaska merch on the ships in general because it's a short season. You know, it's only on the wonder, right? But but then add in this DVC element and then you're getting like extra, extra special. But to your point, the other member cruises that have been in the Caribbean or the Bahamas have been shorter cruises. The 2023 cruise is a Fortnite, actually, is a Fortnite on yeah, the Wish. So yeah. I wonder if the, the deal is sort of you're spreading, it might even be the same number of events, but I bet you get more gifts on a seven night. Um, but you can spread the activities out over seven nights. I want to hear about any any of the other special um, gifts that you guys got. I love that stuff. Let's see. So there was a hat. We got a bust of like an Alaska bear. We got a pin. We got, thank goodness, on the last night, they give you, um, because you get so much stuff and they tell you to bring an extra suitcase. But I was like, come on, like that's, <laughs> you actually do go home with an entire bag's worth of additional stuff. So they gave us a cool duffel bag. <laughs> <laughs> now that's brilliant. Get, and if you have people in your room, you get four of 
everything. And so it is just even mount- blankets, mountains of stuff, four blankets. We got eight new emos. <laughs> That's more than like some of the stuff on the wish, right? So we were on the wish maiden voyage and there were some things we got, you know, one for each person and other things. We only got one for the cabin that tracks with. So on the maiden voyage, yes, it was like one item per cabin with like some very limited exceptions. But when the DVC charter happened, we had a friend that we were sailing with. They were handing out this coffee table book for the wish, right? The creation of the wish was one per cabin on the maiden voyage. Uh, A friend of ours on the maiden voyage asked if he could have an extra one to give to a friend. And they were like, nope, no extras. And then on the DVC charter right after, they gave the book in the cabin one per person. (laughs) So it was, I mean, it was way more stuff on the DVC charter, even though it wasn't billed as a member cruise than what the maiden voyage was. So it's, yeah, they seem to shower you with with stuff if you're on a DVC cruise. Yeah, they, they even did like really beautiful artwork. So every night we got a little postcard of like with a Mickey Mouse and it was created by Brett Iwan and it was for each place that you were. Um, So Skagway and it had the train going through. So it was like this souvenir piece of artwork from whatever your day was. And then at the end, they gave you a whole pack of them full-sized posters, seven of them. And then, you know, so times four, I mean, just so many wonderful things. Um, And I did actually, at one point, I was interviewing some DVC execs and kind of talking to them about once I was on this cruise and I saw how much stuff we got, I was, you know, when I was kind of pricing out, I'm like, well, we just got like, you know, $100 a person, at least, for example, of like Nuimo stuff. And they kind of said, look, you know, the extra cost is not really much beyond kind of like offsetting all of the extra things that you get. I kind of felt like having done one and also and I did D23 Expo like immediately afterwards. And so many of the panels that I attended on the cruise were like as cool or cooler than some of the things that we did on D23 Expo, or in fact, where I, you know, almost identical. We did one where there was a screening. We got to see a few of the Zootopia Plus shorts, which just came out on Disney Plus, and they had the animators, directors there on the ship to, you know, describe them to us and have this, you know, like intimate sort of conversation about them and showed them to us. And it was actually more than we saw on stage at D23 Expo. So really, really unique opportunities there. I love the the preview type stuff. What what other kinds of presentations or talks. I know they do the nature talks in Alaska if you're on any Alaska cruise, but I, w- I wonder what beyond that was was on this member cruise as well. So they did do some of those. And so I will say I'm not certain which ones. There definitely were those nature talks. So I'm sure you're right too that they do them on other cruises. And so I'm not sure how that differentiates. But we did things like so many advanced screenings. I am a huge Star Wars fan and I Obi-Wan Kenobi, I loved the show so much. And we actually got to see the documentary about, you know, the documentary that they just released before it was out. So we were the first ones to see that. We saw they premiered Pinocchio, the live action Pinocchio. That was another one that was a first for everyone to see. The Chris Hemsworth Limitless show, which I think just came out. I think the first one was like just just out. out. That one we got to see as well. So lots of first run. And they do do that, of course, on other, you know, cruises as well. Like I know that Wakanda Forever was shown, you know, on the same on the same night that it came out. But not usually Disney Plus stuff. They usually only do the stuff that's in the theaters. They don't usually do the stuff that's that's a pure Disney Plus. And I, I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why there's a differentiation there because Disney owns, you know, everything basically. But yeah, actually, we're going to be on board in 
over the holidays in December. I think Avatar is supposed to be premiering. So I expect that. But yeah, we don't get these Disney Plus things. That's kind of that's an awesome perk. I love that. Yeah, speaking of Avatar, that was another one they um had I'm not sure what his role was, but he it was basically like the art of Avatar. And he so he showed a lot of sketches and a lot of really interesting things about the development of the film. And we even saw again, we saw some really cool things during this that I did not see. They screened 20 minutes or so of um the film at D23 Expo, but I like there were behind the scenes things that I saw and learned on the Wonder that again I didn't see there. So all of those panels were amazing. They had things like drawing classes. I mean, my son and I took an uh, animating class from Eric Goldberg, who created the genie, and he taught us how to draw the genie. Oh, that's amazing. That's that's not the same as having like the enter- the regular entertainment staff teaching you how to draw Mickey Mouse. I'm sorry. I, I can I can learn that anywhere. That's amazing. <laughs> Exactly. And we had, you know, Ashley Eckstein doing um, leading, she has a new series called Mindful Matters. And so, you know, she was leading a mindfulness, you know, class for everybody on the ship. And she also did another um, kind of like a Jedi train, like a Jedi mindfulness thing, um, where we did like these stacking stones you know, all of the talent did a couple different things along the way. But when you're on this cruise for seven days with these people, we were in Juneau and we were sitting just outside in the port having crab legs. And it was at this place, you know, with shared tables, very casual. And a couple was sitting next to us and they said, you know, what cruise are you on? And then it turned out that it was actually Trent Corey, who is the director and animator for Zootopia Plus. And my son loves drawing and artwork. And he created Bruni from Frozen 2. And he did the animation sequence of Tomo Toa and Moana and like, you know, so to us, like we're next to this massive celebrity and we were you know so excited about it. And then we saw him for the rest of the cruise all the time. And, you know, it was like seeing your friend, you know, so you get, you meet these people and then you get these touch points throughout just passing them in the hallway or at dinner or something. And it just is really cool and special. And I think it kind of like establishes these connections to either, you know, whatever the IP was that you maybe first, you know, learned more about there or the people behind, you know, something. I mean, as you both know, Disney cruises can be so memorable for so many reasons, but then to add this extra layer makes it just like, you know, a total bucket list. Brooke, I think you could probably do a commercial or an infomercial (laughs) for why to sail on a DVC cruise, because I'm thinking like, how did we pass this up? Like we could have gotten on this and we only live a few hours away from Vancouver, BC, because we live in the Seattle area. I'm like, how did we not do this? Um, Of course, and we've also passed up the 2023 uh, DVC member cruise because it's like in the middle of the school year and you know mm-hmm. it just doesn't doesn't work. But I feel like now we've got to start planning, Brian. You know what? And I I yanked my kids out of school for this one, and uh, I mean I have to say again, you know where you're having a you know world famous animator talk to you about creating a film. I, I'm like that's education. It counts. It's okay that we might get that truancy letter at some point from too many trips, but that's all right. <laughs> In our experience, when they do these kind of special sailings, I, I guess our experience is really around some longer sailings, but on these special sailings, they'll sometimes bring like special Broadway folks on board. Did they do that on on this sailing in addition to some of the, the other Disney celebrities you've mentioned? And that was one of the coolest parts too. Let's see who was most memorable. Josh Strickland was... So the, the most fun thing that they do is they're on the cruise. It was Michael Scott, who is the genie, and Josh Strickland, and there were a bunch of other people, and I'm going to blank on them 
right now. They, one of the things that they did a couple of times during the cruise was in like one of the, the room that's, um, you know, there's like a little bit of a stage. Oh, Azure. I bet you're talking about Azure. Whatever it is. Yes, exactly. And they did like singing with the star, like, like karaoke with the stars or something. So basically like someone from the audience, like a guest on the cruise would go and do sing a duet with one of them. Oh my God. And it was so much fun to watch. And they are just, you know, they're so fun and they were so accessible and incredible. And so that was really fun and funny. And Josh Strickland did it like he sang Poor Unfortunate Souls and dressed up literally as Ursula. <laughs> after seeing that, I was like, they should have cast him as her. And um, <laughs> like, it was, it was amazing. Um, and then on the last night, kind of the big finale, all of the Broadway stars get out there together. You know, they're not in costume or anything. They're all just, you know, in tuxedos and fancy clothes yeah, and just wear. Yeah. kind of singing together. The actress who originated Nala, I want to say, Lion King. And I mean, just a, a bunch of really, really some of the best Disney on Broadway stars. And then they all performed together on the last night. And it was like, for sure, the best, you know, live performance I've ever seen on Disney Cruise Line. It beats out, you know, Aladdin stage show. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Sam, you had a similar experience on karaoke because you had, uh, why am I blanking on her name? Jody Benson. Jody Benson. The, yeah, Jody Benson watching Ariel. you. Yeah. She, was, yeah. she was watching. She did not sing in karaoke, but she was watching the rest of like the guests she was watching us this was on the maiden voyage of the of the wish she was on and she performed and she's a, just amazing and obviously a lovely person but yeah she like is watching and cheering on people singing karaoke it was don't worry yeah. just quietly judging sam just quietly judging <laughs> no, um, yeah. no she was <laughs> no i mean she was so like you could she was uh, like very generous with her applause and you know somebody got up and sang <laughs> sing uh part of your world and which was like crazy like how do you get up and sing jody benson's most famous song right like in front of her but that person had guts I, it was yeah wonderful so brooke i'm curious one of the other things because it's a dvc cruise there's usually some i don't know special presentations around dvc either updates on new resorts or potentially you know some great deal on board and whatever did they have anything that you attended that was really dvc focused and maybe gave you some insight into the new resorts coming online we didn't get any kind of like first looks or sneak peeks or additional information on anything i am i don't think um they did announce the new lounge coming to Disneyland that was announced while we were on the cruise and they ended up kind of like putting up some signs and things like that for it to kind of get the word out on the cruise as well. There's like a big DVC member lounge area where there are constantly um, there's so there's sort of like member services just there a whole bunch of people actively to, you know, talk to you about, you know, just kind of member support. Um, and also, you know, if you needed to do something or you wanted to buy a contract or anything, I never felt like there were any hard sell moments or things like that. There may have been some things that we didn't go to. So they often do DVC gatherings on the cruise line. But I kind of, if I'm thinking about the ones I've been to there, those feel a little more like a little sales pitchy. Um, usually it's like maybe they have a tray of like one kind of drink, but they actually did. Um, it was called like a member mixer and they did it in the crown and fin 
Um, I think there were two of them. So I'm bummed that I missed the I am bummed that I missed the other one, but they had a whole spread of food out like what they usually have late night. So they had lots and lots of different like snack appetizer things and you could order anything you wanted from the bar. So they basically it was just like open bar. And then they had higher up people within DVC just kind of walking around and chatting with people and getting some feedback and just like, you know, so there I was kind of asking questions about my home resort is Boardwalk. And I'm like, so what's going on with Boardwalk and the renovation or, you know, and they kind of talked about, you know, Boulder Ridge and what was happening there and, you know, some kind of fun, a little bit of inside baseball kind of fun stuff. So I would say that that's sort of where I got the most of that. Did you ask anything about the Disneyland Hotel? <laughs> um, I ask about that all the time. Yes. <laughs> As do we. <laughs> it is too hard to get a room at the Grand Californian. Um, so no, I am very eager for that. There is not really any more information that they're sharing yet. Sam, what other questions do you have about this cruise? I have a few more general questions about, about Disney Cruise Line. Well, we have Brooke because she covers the cruise line. I want to know if there were any special menus that you spied because that's something we, well, we noticed that about longer cruises in general, right? You get uh, something a little bit different than your standard, you know, three night rotational plus pirate night. So here, obviously you didn't have pirate night. You would have had a frozen night since it's Alaska season. So I imagine you have the three rotational menus and frozen, but I'm curious if there were any special menus or if they were just sort of the alternative rotational menus. So it was kind of cool. Every night you got like a souvenir menu too. So it was printed and branded with the DVC member cruise and you could take it home. So that was something that was fun and yet another take home. And there was a signature dish and cocktail, I think for every dinner. And so Art Smith, for example, was on the cruise and he did homecoming. Yeah. One night there was, you know, a like a signature dish that he developed. And then also there was a deck party at one point where I'm a vegetarian, so I didn't pay that much attention to it. But I think it was like a chicken sandwich, like it was a slider, you know, something like that, too. That was part of a deck party on the at sea day. And, you know, Art Smith had created this dish for that. And like one of the nights, you know, again, I, I mentioned Brett Iwan again, like I rem- I just specifically remember that there was a dish that he inspired or worked with them to create in some way. And my husband ordered basically the special dish every night and said that it was one of the, you know, definitely like the best, like a highlight among meals on Disney Cruise Line. So he said, you know, that was absolutely the way to go to get the special every time. Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action to thank our amazing show sponsor over at My Path Unwinding Travel. We have really come to love all of the agents over at My Path Unwinding Travel, who you've heard on this show. So many of their agents have been on the show sharing their great experiences with concierge sailing, adventures by Disney, and just unique sailings across the Disney portfolio. And so have really come to rely on their expertise as we think about our own vacations, questions we've had about sailing concierge for the first time, questions about unique itineraries, and they are just so knowledgeable, so friendly, so giving of their time. My Path and Wedding has some fabulous Facebook groups out there that you can join around concierge sailing, the Disney Wish, the Disney Treasure, just all kinds of great groups where they answer questions from people who haven't even booked vacations with them. So love, love, love the great experience, expertise, friendliness of My Path Unwinding Travel. So if you are thinking about booking your next Disney Cruise Line vacation, maybe been thinking about taking the leap and upgrading to concierge or have been eyeing some special adventures by Disney trip or really just want to benefit from the knowledge and expertise that a great travel expert can provide, highly recommend heading over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. And with that, back to our episode. 
as we round out this cruise, Brooke, because um, we could talk about Alaska sailing all day. We really want to focus on the special nature of it with the DVC stuff. Any highlights from the sailing that were, you know, stand out in your mind that you wanted to potentially share with our audience? One other really cool moment, I suppose, that I thought was really special, particularly for Disney Parks fans, was um, they brought the Merry Menagerie puppets from Disney's Animal Kingdom and had them out on the upper deck as we were sailing through, you know, with the mountains and the glaciers around. It was just, and it was a perfect clear blue day. And the performers, it was the performers that were always on this ship and they actually had the person like the coach, the trainer, whoever who teach, you know, who um, trains the performers at Animal Kingdom on puppeteering director um, came and taught them all in, you know, a day or two how to do these puppets. And it was my kids favorite part of the cruise. Um, It was just like, it was such a cool thing for Parks fans, because people really, really love those puppets and love that time of year at Animal Kingdom. So for us to get to do something so unique and special like that, that was one other really big highlight. Oh, I love puppets. So that would be like, I'm like all about, you know, the Muppets and like Fraggle Rock, all that kind of stuff. Like, so I would be dying. Like, I love that stuff. That would, and I actually love, so I love the the stage show Frozen on DCL because of the puppetry part of it. I think that that, it, to me, it's just Brilliant. Totally brilliant. Yes. Completely agree. And again, that was just another one of those things where it's like, if you already love them, you love them even more when you see them in the parks again. And if you didn't, it was like a new introduction and kind of, you know, a different, like my kids, for some reason, didn't really remember seeing them in the parks, they said. And now they're like obsessed with them. And they just want to know when we can go back to Animal Kingdom to see the Merry Menagerie. So like, I'm like a big crier on Disney Cruise Line. I just like everything about it is emotional. Like I cry when I get on, you know, I cry in the last night. Um, I cry in the shows. And this just like added such a, you know, just such an extra layer um, of attachment and emotion to all of these things. And I guess the other thing I would say that I really loved about it, like I said, I almost worried that everybody was going to be super intense, Um, you know, that everyone was like theme park commandos, you know, they're all everybody's an expert. And and it actually had the opposite effect. I think of everybody like so knew what they were doing. And we're old pros at all of this, that it felt just very, very chill. It was also one of maybe the most casual in terms of the way that people dressed cruises that I can remember. Um, Everybody was just kind of like cozy and laid back and, you know, you'd pop into this preview or that screening or panel or something. And it was just, I don't know, it was, it was very, very cool, but I would 100% say they need to be seven days. I don't know how the wish (laughs) is already too much to do on the wish as it is. I don't know how you could add any extra programming. (laughs) I know. I feel you on that. I think the I don't understand. I mean, I understand why Disney's making the wish do the three and four night, but I think it's crazy because you can't do everything on the wish in three or four nights. We had trouble doing everything in eight nights on um, between the the maiden voyage and the DVC charter right after. So it's crazy to me. Yeah. Well, speaking of the wish, uh, Brooke, I wanted to transition us over for a second since you've sailed on the wish and you write and cover the cruise line. I'm going to ask you a question we've been asking a lot of folks recently, which is maybe your top three highlights from sailing on the wish. And what you think are the biggest opportunities and maybe the biggest three opportunities Disney has as they think about the treasure and beyond to maybe improve on the design that they have on the wish or the experiences they have on the wish. Well, you start with the highlights. Did you have maybe three highlights off the wish that you really, really thought they did well? Yeah. So I definitely think that the food is 
miles better than any of the other ships. So I think they knock that out of the park. I absolutely love the both of the dinners, the dinner show nights, Arendelle and Marvel. I really, really hope that they do a Star Wars one instead of Marvel. Um, I don't know that that would happen with Star Cruiser, but I would love to see that on a future ship. So I really, yeah, I think that that is, those are really big highlights for me. I really like Hyperspace Lounge. I think that that's a really cool, unique space um, that's so different from anything that you get on any of the other ships. My kids love those kids clubs. Um, They really, really yeah, they absolutely love them. The kids clubs on the kids club on the wish is like just is like the food. It's just another level. Like they're like, oh, let's just step it up a notch. And then they stepped it up like 10 notches, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. All of those things I love. I love the bathrooms in the staterooms. I think the bathrooms are really, really nice in terms of the room. I don't mind anything else about those the other ships or those rooms or whatever, but I did think that, that one that's a big step up. And yeah, I mean, I think those are some of my highlights for sure. Yeah. What about opportunities? As there, I mean, we know they're taking feedback. Mm-hmm. They're, when they're Ryan says at, opportunities, he means room for improvement. Where yeah. is there room for improvement? <laughs> I'm trying to be we keep it positive. We keep it positive. So like, I'm opportunities. <laughs> yeah. So um, if I were, if you were talking to me, you know, after the first couple sailings, I would have said that that the whole hyperspace lounge crush. I found extremely stressful and I was really worried about like, oh my gosh, are we even going to be able to get into it? Um, It was a non-issue for our entire sailing. We were able to walk in and do that anytime. But a lot of people said, you know, why is this so small? And there's so much luxury retail space. The luxury, the retail space, I I didn't feel like any of that really gets used. Um, I mean, I almost never saw anybody in there. And I kind of missed having the main merchandise being somewhere that you passed every night. Um, You really only kind of go by there the night that you come out of Arendelle and you sort of would have to seek it out to get back there. So I actually think even though, you know, they have the high end merchandise all more accessible, they're probably missing a lot of foot traffic by having the stores where they are. Yeah, Mickey's mainsail not being right outside the theater like it is on the other ships is kind of a mistake because I think a lot of people stop after they see a show, they stop at the at Mickey's mainsail on their way back to their room because it's always at night when the shops are open, right? The shops are typically closed during the day when you're at port. So you have limited hours of the shops being open. I feel like the evening hours are actually the the hours that people can go and tend to go, obviously, other than sea days. So yeah, I think that's a great point. I hadn't picked up on that, but uh, I just think they use too much space for those darn shops. Not Mickey's mainsail, frankly. Mickey's mainsail could be bigger, but those luxury shops that as you said, and as we observed too, like there's like nobody in there. I've seen, I see, you see like two or three people in there. I don't know. I guess they must be buying, you know, $50,000 watches or something. Right. <laughs> so, I don't know if maybe you sell one watch and it's the same as selling, you know, 20 plushes or a hundred plushes or whatever. So maybe it makes, you know, maybe it makes more sense. It feels like dead space because there's no, you only ever have a couple people in there. But I love, I mean, I love Nightingales and Hyperspace in the Bayou. I like the way those spaces aren't squirreled away in a corner in the adult district. And I felt like there's kind of more like life and action throughout the day with the bayou there versus kind of deserted adult zones during the day. So I think I prefer that about the wish. Some of the smaller spaces, the restaurants 
are really tight, interested, like, and I think that part of it is literally some of it is just furniture choices. Um, the chairs are really big and really heavy in 1923 and in Marvel. Oh, I feel like the Arendelle ones are huge too. Oh, are all of them are okay. yeah, the, those all are, huge. So like, there's no space in between, and they're like they're just so big, and so so there's like lots of maneuvering, and it just um, I love the intimacy of 1923. I like the way when you go in there, it feels like you're going to a fancy steakhouse in the city or something. Like I really think that the vibe uh, instead of like a giant cafeteria type royal court or you know almost like a theme park, you know. Or wedding or a BR guest. Like, I love 1923 from that perspective, the smaller rooms and everything, but they just, I literally think maybe a change in furniture would make those less tight on a future ship. Let me shift gears for us for one second. So, I want to ask about the next ship, Brooke. Uh, the treasure. Treasure's coming out hopefully soon. Uh, what, about and, the, what about the global dream, Brian? Well, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll, I'll reserve one question for that at the end, perhaps the breaking news around the global dream. But um, the treasure, Brooke, you mentioned, you know, you'd love to see a Star Wars restaurant in there. Is there something else or a couple of things you're hoping Disney will do with that ship now that you've kind of seen the mold they've created with the wish? Like, wh- what are you hoping to see on the treasure? I mean, I don't know how much flexibility they have in terms of like ship layout or things like that. In my mind, I guess I was sort of assuming that and and you both may know more than me about, um, you know, where that's at. But and I was kind of almost assuming that it's really only theming that we would get to play with on there. I don't love the the stage and the wish atrium. Um, I don't it's. I've been on two. They didn't really use it for on the um, things were very much still not totally complete for the media failing. So um, but on the most recent one, the only time I ever saw that stage really used was for the Hocus Pocus character appearance. And it was only for 10 minutes. And I think it only happened three times. I do kind of feel like it's just like a big blue wall there. So I guess I would rather I'd like to see it either used more or maybe not there on the future ship. Um, the artwork for the atrium does look amazing. And I think that the the treasure is certainly, I think it's a fun and interesting theming concept. I would love to see them do tap into some of the, you know, the Adventureland kind of theming, you know, give us a tiki bar, weave some more Society of Explorers and Adventurers do that. I'm, I mean, I'm, I hope- They can they- give us a Trader Sam's at sea, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Let us get some souvenir tiki mugs on the ship. I mean, you know, they do that in hyperspace lounge and that's been fun to do something like that. So that's definitely a tiki. I've like tweeted this multiple times. The tiki bar is on my wish list for sure on that ship. And yeah, I would love to see them again, take Marvel and do, um, I would love a star Wars restaurant. Um, I'm really bummed that they got rid of star Wars day at sea because that was one of my favorites. I mean, I'm assuming that they'll probably do something similar with the rooms, but you know, different theme. And I think that's really fun. I do love about the wish the way, you know, there are so many different characters that you can get in the rooms and it's just enough to make it kind of fun and different, but still being really clean and simple and bright. Yeah, it's done really tastefully. It's not like the IP just, you know, vomited all over your room for lack of a better description. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I like I listen, I love Disney IP. I just I don't need my room to be like orange, right? Like I want my room to be like serene colors. And I like the tastefulness of the painting over the over the bed, right? Like, I think that's the way you do it. I love the idea of a tiki bar. I love that idea because I think that would be so great. I am hopeful that perhaps the new version of the hyperspace lounge will incorporate the 
haunted mansion kind of there was a teaser around uh, some things on the ship and i'm hoping that that could be a haunted mansion theme bar which i think could be really interesting especially with the villains theme that they've brought to the top of the world lounge uh for dvc i think they've got kind of like a little bit of a model there they could they could draw that would be that would be fun but you're right they did show um the hitchhiking ghosts and some of that uh, and during that announcement and yeah that would be very cool i think also i don't know about you but i've been on the ship twice and i still get lost for some reason i I just feel like it's not intuitive the way that you get around quite as much. I feel like I lack peripheral vision. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like it's so it's hard to explain. That's the way that I've described it. I think it's the way the hallways are, particularly because of the way they did 1923 with the Roy side and the Walt side and then the hallways that you kind of walk in between, right? Like it's just I never remember like which am I walking forward? Am I walking aft? It doesn't I agree it doesn't seem as intuitive as the other ships I don't I find the signage though is fine and so you know you can figure it out although they were still putting it up on our cruises they had well, the actual sign company up, yeah. on board adding more That's signage fair. so that might speak to something assuming that the treasure is laid out very similarly to the wish I think you're right Brooke I think the main changes we're going to see between the wish and the treasure are going to be theming I do think they have the ability to move walls of certain venues. So there might be some rejiggering of some venues, but I I think in general, we're going to see a a really similar layout and perhaps that will help us get more used to this new layout because we're so used to the layout of the magic and the wonder and of the dream and the fantasy, which to be fair, even all four of those, even though they're two different classes are really, really similar in sort of the location of things, except you just minus two decks, right? Like, so it's, yeah, they're not, they're really not different. I think part of it too is, is just, you know, one lack of familiarity with this ship. It doesn't align to kind of what our expectations were from the other ships, but also there's a couple of decks where it's like a little bit of groundhog day in terms of like, there's a coffee bar here. There's a coffee bar there. Like if I go to the left of the coffee, bar isn't there supposed to be a barbershop there but there's not like so it's that kind of stuff it's it yeah it's it's interesting because they work so hard on the design cues on the other ships that it's a little weird to see that those design cues didn't translate here those two coffee bars do look exactly like i i cannot tell the difference between the two of them um i will say my kids met my kids love hero zone doing the inflatables they miss the mini golf they would rather have that you know the outdoor open air aspect um i do oh oh the running deck that's my number one thing that's my number one thing that i miss um is just being able to um it's not as big of a deal on these shorter sailings but uh you know being on the wonder for seven nights in alaska i was thinking about that a lot and how i would have really missed it because we spent a lot of time walking around and just kind of looking out at the water and you know looking for whales and all that kind of stuff Totally agree with you. It's for me, it's not about the running on the running deck. It's just walking. I love walking around the promenade. And I feel like we, especially on the wonder, I feel like we do that a lot. And you just don't, you can't do it. I mean, you can, but there's steps and it's just, yeah, it's very weird on the wish. Very, very weird. And you often actually can't. I mean, there are, it's closed off a lot where even though you could, you can physically make it around if it were open, it's just not always open. So at least that's what I've found too. So that would be, I would love for them to try to find a way to address that. Um, even if it has to be multi-level, just kind of make it, you know, make sure that it's always accessible and maybe a little more. I mean, those steps are treacherous. They're pretty steep. So I, like I had talked to a few people who had, you know, someone not, not disabled necessarily, but you know, a little bit movement impaired, but someone who might like to make the rounds and just really couldn't do it with those, with those steps. I mean, I like the ability to get to the front of the ship 
but I'd love to be able to walk all the way around the ship for sure. And I have been hearing kind of consistent thematic feedback around accessibility on the ship. In some places, they improved it. I saw someone post the other day about ability to get on and off the water ride is much improved for accessibility needs on on the wish than any of the other ships. I think a dad was lamenting, I constantly have to carry my 100-pound son upstairs to get on the aqueduct. I don't have to do that on the wish, which I think is great. But then at the same time, the multi-tiered pool deck, which some people love, presents some, I think, mobility challenges uh, for folks at times. So yeah, hopefully they'll improve there. So Brooke, I want to ask a last question here. And we didn't prep you beforehand that we were going to ask this, but we also didn't know until a few days ago that this was even happening. But do you have any reactions to Disney's decision to buy the global dream and redesign it? (laughs) I guess a little bit. My initial reaction is I'll always take another Disney cruise ship. (laughs) (laughs) So, fair point fair point i think what will be most interesting is where this fits into the timeline and does it bump back the seventh ship i think number seven is going to end up being number eight now right so you mean meaning that this new one will be seven correct yeah yeah i mean and this is this is pure speculation i know apps i have absolutely no insight on it but um i mean obviously covid presented a lot of you know timing issues for the wish and you know there were a few things that weren't ready but ultimately you know we're I don't think that our experiences were significantly impacted. I mean, there was still more to even on the media cruise when there was so much not quite done yet, there was still so much more to do than we could possibly have done. And then when we returned, um, we did do Uncharted Adventure. That was like kind of one of the only big ones that was still um, left to do. That's still kind of in testing mode, but we were able to do that. I'm super open-minded about it because I think it'd be kind of cool to just see what they do to something that they have less control over from layout perspective. And I think if it gets, you know, another ship in the water more quickly, then I'm kind of all for it. We know the treasure is already substantially under construction and that's going to hit its timelines. I had heard, and I'm forgetting where, but we heard on board recently that they'd also started the steel cutting on ship number seven uh, as it sits today. And so, yeah, I suspect the global dream, whatever that gets renamed into kind of slots in between, but it doesn't potentially delay the next ship because I think that they're already planning kind of their itineraries and strategies for those two ships and Lighthouse Point. And we know the global dream is going to be outside the US. You know, suspicions are somewhere in Asia, which would be kind of a net market ad. And I'm not sure that I'm not sure the two new ships were really aimed at that market to begin with. So I, I but I do agree. I think it's I think they're going to start work on it and get it out before whatever the whatever current ship seven is what we believe new ship eight <laughs> will yeah, be. Yeah, because the treasure is supposed to be out in 24. And then the third the next the ship was Triton supposed to follow class, pretty, pretty quickly I after. Five, right? I thought it was supposed to be two years between originally between ships, uh, the treasure and I'll call it Triton class number three. It was supposed to be like 23, 24, 25. And the wish got bumped a little bit in its release because of all the COVID stuff. But I think they're still aiming 24 for treasure, 25 for whatever the new ship is. And I, but I suspect Global Dream will launch somewhere around all that, but maybe they'll delay by a year because it is, I can't imagine doing two major ship launches in the same year for Disney, given the struggle that they had. They've consistently had, let me put that, they've consistently had struggles with main voyages. I thought it was 22, 24, 26. And so that's what makes me think that because they've announced that this is, that the 
the global dream is going to, uh, we keep calling it the global dream, but it will be renamed. The global dream is supposed to slot in in 25. So anyway, we'll see what happens. But I, I, I agree with both of you that will likely come out before we see the third of the Triton class, the to be named uh, ship. You make a good point, though, about, you know, if it were based in Asia and we're really, you know, and it's just a totally different market location. You know, my first instinct was, you know, just from a marketing and just kind of customer education perspective, like, wouldn't you want to just do one at a time rather than two in the same year? But, um, you know, it's not like we don't have major ride or land openings happening in different parks globally. So I think if you think of it a little bit more like that, um, it becomes a lot more feasible that they might very well do both of them in 2025. No big deal. Yeah. I mean, I I suspect a lot of it hinges on completion of Lighthouse Point because they need the extra capacity in the Caribbean if they're going to park two more ships uh, out of Florida or out of uh, ports close to the to the Caribbean. So, yeah. Uh, Brooke, I just want to thank you for taking the time to come chat with us. I know you're you're very busy. And so we really, really appreciate you sharing uh, with our audience. Do you want to let folks know where they can find and connect with you and read all of your fabulous articles across the Disney universe here? Sure. Um, thank you. So I, um, I write as a freelancer for a whole bunch of different websites from, you know, travel sites and national sites and more niche um, fan sites too. So the best place to find everything I do is I try to share all of my content and keep all my links updated in my Instagram, which is at Brooke with an E G McDonald. And yeah, so I kind of keep I keep everything posted there, even though I'm writing all over the place all the time. (laughs) And we will we will make sure to link to those spots in our show notes so folks can find you easily. Brooke, thank you once again for coming on. We just really, really appreciate it. Thanks. This is so fun. Love to, to talk to you guys. As always, thank you so much out there for listening to our bonus show this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews. And if you leave us a written review, we will read it on the air in our main show each and every week. We love connecting with you, our listeners, and hearing your feedback. So head over there, leave us a review. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also connect with our show via our voice mail line. If you'd like to send us a question, a comment, or otherwise have us address your feedback on the air, then just leave us a message at 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. If you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can always browse to youtube.com slash DCL Duo for our vlog. If you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash DCL Duo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for making this show happen each and every month. We also really appreciate our amazing show sponsor, My Path Unwinding Travel. So if you're looking to book your next fabulous Disney vacation, head over to www.mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of Disney Cruise Line or the Disney Company. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Good night.